be frugal. Save as much as much money as you can. You know, at least if you can't save enough for the company match, you go for one k at least minimum. And then any raise that you get, put toward saving. That's one. And then uh, buy secondhand stuff. You know, car and clothes. You know, our kids uh, when we first started, none of them got new clothes. You know, secondhand clothes. You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires. We'll unveil their decisions, their strategies, and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 179. Clark, how's it going? What's going on in your world? going on nothing much another episode here another week getting closer to 200 yeah we are we're getting closer to 200 we'll be hitting that probably this summer uh you got any fun summer spring plans here summer or spring not yet what about you we're thinking about doing stuff but nothing nothing crazy planned yet yeah, we're kind of in the same boat. We we want to do a few things, but uh, it's, it's it's hard to want to book stuff. You got you got the first round of the vaccine though already, right? I do. Yeah, I do have the first dose. So, so I think I get the second in a few weeks here. That makes it a little bit easier to try to plan. And I know there's a couple countries that have opened up some travel to those that have gotten the vaccine. So yeah, yeah, I agree. If you if you go out of the country, I think the hard part is is getting a test to come back in. Yeah, um, I saw in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. Sometimes if you stay at a tourist destination or some sort of resort, they'll test you right on the property, which is nice. But the concern is you test positive and then you're there for three weeks. Yeah, exactly. That is a that is a little bit of a risk too, especially in my boat when I got some kid, you know, a couple kids. I mean, staying over totally. in another country for three yeah. weeks just isn't gonna work. <laughs> We're taking that risk. Yeah. So as nice as it sounds sometimes, though. Yeah, I mean, it sounds nice. It's just it's just not very realistic. So. We're trying to figure out. I mean, we've got a few things we want to do this summer, but once again, we'll probably end up staying and doing some more domestic stuff, and uh, which is fine. You know, there's a lot of good things in places we haven't been to in the United States uh, as it is. It's a, it's amazing when you start looking at destinations around here. I mean, a lot of really cool places to see and, and so many beautiful national parks that I haven't been to personally yet. So, totally. definitely a lot on the bucket list. Totally. One thing that, that we've been discussing lately, just you and I, and, and looking at the macroeconomics of our country and the nation, is just looking at the debt levels, uh, you know, over the last 15 to, to 20 years, particularly in the main classes, student loan, auto loan, mortgage, credit card, etc. And we came across this chart that, that goes into detail and kind of tracks you know, where this has gone, right? And, you know, from 2003 to 2020, let's call it, uh, a lot of these categories, let's just, you know, call it credit card, uh, home equity, you know, revolving credit from from that mortgages, for the most part, have, have increased. Credit card has increased significantly through the financial crisis and then has significantly decreased since then. The others have gone up fairly steady, you know, 100%. In that time period, but student loans, man, five hundred forty-six percent increase since two thousand three. I mean, that is just astronomical. Yeah. So, what is that change in the U.S. household debt percent change since the first quarter of two thousand three? So, on average, five hundred forty-six percent increase. So, I looked up after I saw this chart. You sent it to me. I'm like, okay, well, let me have some context here for student loans. What does that really mean? So. 
I thought this was interesting. It said this is as of 2021. Um, a couple different student loan websites or, or articles that I looked at here, so it's probably fairly accurate, I would assume. It says among the class of 2019, so a year and a half late here, 69% of college students took out student loans. 69%. They graduated with an average debt of 29900 I think I saw another article that said in 2020 or 2020. One ish, I guess the end of 2020, it was 33,000. So around $30,000, including in both private and federal debt. So almost 45 million people and the average loan payment, guess how much? $300 a month was the average loan payment. Hmm. Interesting. What do you think that does for the future of, you know, those taking on that debt? I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about forgiveness, whether or not they are going to obtain that. What does that do to the tuition and, and costs at universities? What does that do to the need of higher education in general? I mean, you get people like Elon Musk, very prominent tech entrepreneur, extremely wealthy, saying, hey, degrees are a thing of the past. I just want your skill set. What does that do? Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I mean, I think we differ on opinions a little bit here. I still think a degree is important. I think it still will be. I think that just sets, helps you set it apart or, you know, maybe it's not a traditional degree in terms of biology, but I think if you have a, a degree where you have a skill and you can do something, I just think that's still going to be valuable in the workplace. And as we talk about the effect of student loans, I mean, I'm reminded of the episode that we released three weeks ago, episode 176, Jason, who teaches at school, but he had hundreds of thousands of dollars in student loans. And that was his message. A big part of his message was, I try to advise as many people as, as will listen to not take on these student loans because they're just completely crippling and it's hard to get ahead. And oftentimes people that are taking them out aren't going to go make two, three, four hundred thousand dollars to be able to pay them off quickly. So you come out with $35,000 in student loans, you take a job making 55, you live in a, in a decently expensive cost of area, maybe you make 60, 70, and, and, and it's hard to get ahead. It takes you years to get ahead years to pay it off. So I think it's crippling. I mean, obviously, in some situations, people have to give them. The, I think it's, I personally think it's a little bit more understandable for a graduate degree that's going to increase your earning potential. But I think that's, and that's what Dave Ramsey always sits on too, is what's the earning potential coming, right? He always says, don't get a degree in German book of history. Get a degree in something that's useful that you can find a job and move towards something in the future. What's the alternative though? I mean, if, if education costs continue to rise, how do you pay for it? Yeah, I think a big piece of the student loan crisis is some of these universities charging higher amounts. Totally. I think it, it handcuffs students because the money's accessible and the money's easy to get and it's easy to qualify if it's a student loan. The lending requirements aren't as tight. And so you go there and you say, okay, I mean, I know people that just kept getting more money because they wanted to increase their spending habits when they were at school. It wasn't even for necessary costs. It was mm -hmm. just easy to get more and get more and get more. And so they did. And so I think I think the schools have to look too and and or we have to look as a country at these schools and say, should the price of a semester or a year of school really be $67 for an undergrad? Uh, I think there'll always be varying levels of education. And I think, I think that's how it has to be. I mean, that's how there's competition. I think mm -hmm. that's how the free market is built. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see and interesting to watch for sure. I mean, it's definitely, 
is definitely ballooned over the last few years, and it's something that they continue to potentially rise here going forward. So, anyway, today's show, we've got Dan. He's in net worth of $3.8 million. He's an immigrant to the United States. Came here when he was 17 years old with $10 in his pocket. He's now 61 and reflects on his life, which includes a marketing degree and 34 years at the same company as he progressed in his career. $3 million of it of his net worth is, is in IRAs. The rest is broken out between some home equity and some 529s, HSAs, and some Roths. Last week, we had Will. His net worth is $1.4 million. His construction manager invests primarily in the market. He's almost 40 years old and has a paid-for house, which is about $350,000 and about a million dollars total is liquid. He shared great career advice relating to accepting new opportunities and being open to new responsibilities. Once again, we appreciate you tuning in to the podcast week after week. If you enjoy the show, we'd appreciate you if you leave us a review on either iTunes or Stitcher or any platform that you listen. Last week, we got a review from Benoit. It's a great podcast with inspiring people. I've been listening to this podcast for about six months now, and every week I look forward to their new episode. Thanks, Benoit, for that. This, uh, this podcast would not happen without listeners like you. If you're interested in multifamily opportunities or commercial, send us an email, millionairesunveiled at gmail.com. We'd love to get on a, a phone call and kind of walk you through our process. Without any further delay, let's get into today's episode with Dan. Hi, my name is Dan. Reside in the upper Midwest of the United States, and I came here since I was 17. Now, now I'm 61 years old, and I've been here in the United States for about 44 years. I'm a refugee, and also got about $10 in, uh, with me, and I went to high school here, the last, the last year of high school, and learned how to write and read English, and then um, spent another year um, um, trying to get perfecting the English skill and then attend college and did complete the degree with marketing degree in about five years, take a little longer. <laughs> and then, then I started working for a company as a manager, as a line manager, which is the same company I worked for 34 years. So I haven't changed job. I, I changed job, but I haven't changed the company. So the company been great to me and I keep progressing and improve uh, my skill and be able to um, move up to the um, middle management. Dan, that's pretty remarkable. You came here with $10 in your pocket, and now you're a millionaire. And what is your net worth today? My net worth includes um, my 529 HSA. is about $3.8 million. Wow. That's pretty remarkable. So $10, 17 years old. You come here, you graduate high school, you go to college. Now you're 61, retired, or $3.8 million. That's pretty remarkable. Congrats. That's awesome. Can, can you give us the breakdown on that $3.8 million? Okay. The brokerage is um, 545 and um, IRA, 2.29 mil. Roth, 152K. And cash saving is 354K. 529, uh, I'm sorry, uh, 529 is 12,000K. And then uh, HSA saving is 54,000. And uh, home is um, 360. Oh, that's pretty awesome. And your home is paid for? I got about $130,000 left. And that's okay. because of um, the interest rate is at 2%. So I thought I'll. I'll pay it off little by little. And if I need to, I can pay it off. Yeah, you've got the cash in the bank, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So the money that's in your Roth and in your IRA and the brokerage mm-hmm. accounts, is that 
invested primarily in in the stock market and equities for bonds? Uh, the brokerages um, um, outside the IRA, um, the IRA and Roth are in uh, about right now twenty four percent bond, and then uh, the rest are in equity. And has that always been the allocation percentage, or has that just grown into bonds over time? Actually, I started with ninety ten. You know, uh, actually ninety five ten, ninety five five, and then after that, you know, ninety ten, and then right now I'm holding a fixed income for about um, twenty twenty four percent. And is that something that you've done on your own, or have you had a financial advisor that's that's helped you uh, with moving that allocation? I do have a financial planner for about the last two uh, two and a half years, and he did help uh, me to move. But he mentioned that you should have a little bit more in uh, fixed income. I said, no, it's okay. I have enough five year of income. And I should I should do fine, you know, because I don't think market will be depressed for five years. You know, so yeah, no, that's pretty interesting. So backing up here, you graduate college. Did you immediately start investing when you started your first job with this company? No, not right away. Um, just like typical American, you know, um, you got money, you got money, you got paycheck, you spend everything plus more, you know, and got my first credit card, you know, maxed out. <laughs> but I come to realization paying 17, 18, 19% interest rate is kind of dumb, you know. So that's why I pay off. It's not big, you know. Back then it was probably about my $3,000 max, you know. And then, uh, but I do have a student loan, you know, which is about $9,000. So I paid those off in about five years. And um, after that, um, I started reading everything I, about. I started out with Money Magazine and Kiplinger and started looking at those. Stuff they talk about those people are, you know, uh, how these people be able to retire at certain age. You know, they have profiled people like that, and they're millionaires. So I thought, I want to be one. You know? So my goal at that time, after start working for like a couple of years, I said mine goal is to be one point seven million dollars, and I'm gonna um, I'm gonna retire when I can, I reach that goal. And how old were you when you set that goal? Twenty seven. Wow, that's pretty remarkable. And how long did it take you to get there? <laughs> Uh, my goal was uh, to be able to reach 1.7 at 50, but it took me 55 before I reached that. So you got there at 55, and then six years later, you've you know more than doubled mm-hmm. that almost, but doubled it twice, really. So how did how did yeah. that happen? Well, um, the I was lucky in 2000 that I did not uh, participate much on uh, um, stay kind of low because of, I, I see the market kind of you know um, that time the dot com it just go crazy and I don't like to follow the people. I'm contrarian, you know. When it's the people um, flocking, like, um, I would go some opposite of the reserve, so I did not get in another.com as much. But I sold my loss during that time, so very little. But I do have extra. So after the market bounced back up, I'd be able to invest that more. And then in 2008, 2007, 2008, same thing with the housing market. I said, if people... Can go borrow, I mean, borrow money without no money down. How are they going to afford to pay for, um, you know, uh, for the house? And after a while, you know, they're going to, they're going to burst because of, um, you know, they think they can flip the house every, you know, six, seven months. And who's going to buy a house that, that, you know, uh, inflated um, 10, 20, $30,000 or maybe 100000 So I say, no, I need to get out of this because I, I think this is bigger, uh, bigger problem. So I did uh, move mine to um, a safer 
place. And then uh, when the 2000, this is happened on October 2007. And then, oh, I did get back in about almost a year later, get back into the uh, market again. And I did, did a pretty good job on that. So, And was that stocks or mostly index funds? Um, uh, that time, there's no index. Well, I, I'm not familiar with index, mostly a mutual fund. You know, at that time, um, I was Fidelity Vanguard. That's what the top, um, money that I put in. Yeah. So that company is using, uh, for, um, Fidelity. So, um, 401k. So I've been, I've been, uh, moving around quite a bit, you know, uh, and also, um, I maxed out on the contribution on the year, every year. Yeah. That's what I was just going to ask because, I mean, you must have, right? Getting up to over 2 million. Mm-hmm. Maxed it out. You started that from the beginning since you started work? Um, no, at first, uh, my goal was to get rid of both student loan first, you know, and then also uh, my credit card. You know, how much interest did you have on each of those? Um, credit card, like over, a little bit over 3,000, and student, student loan is about 9,000. And, and how much was that first job? How much were you making? <laughs> that was only, that was only <laughs> a couple of years ago, man. <laughs> um, 37,500. 37,5. Wow. Yep. And, $31.25 a month. $31.25 a month. And if you're comfortable sharing, what did your, before you retired, or what was the peak of your income? How high did you get it up to? $135. one thirty-five. Wow, great income. Good for you. Good for you. It's amazing. Your story is really amazing. So how did it all start, Dan? You came over as a refugee, right? You were 17, mm-hmm. you said. Jace repeated. Where, where did you get this? How, how did you learn about all this stuff? Because you seem to start it at a young age and to figure it all out and to set these goals early and to figure out the financial. Where did you, was this come from your parents? Did you have somebody mentor? Was it just general curiosity? How did you pick it all up? General curiosity. And, um, you know, uh, like I mentioned before, uh, I, I love to read magazines and, you know, I don't like to read, uh, books because it's too many hundreds, hundreds of pages. So magazines easy, right? About, uh, a page and a half, you're done with the story. So I, you know, I, <laughs> so I read, uh, you know, a Kiplinger, um, uh, money magazine and, you know, they have, uh, quite a, quite a few, uh, tips and idea, you know, how to do, how to do and, uh, what and not to do. And I've been following that, and then I start to pick up some books, you know, and then um, learn a lot, um, a little bit more, and you know, each year. And then um, at that time, uh, most of most of my money are invested in four hundred one k. None of them are in um, stock market. I didn't know much about stock market that time. Yeah, and your your home is it fully paid off? Um, I about I had about one hundred thirty k left. So how come not, how come you don't just pay that off? Because my interest rate was um, 2.2, 2. 2.1, 2.12, yeah. So I, I debate. I invest this money, you know, I can get better than 5% back. So that's the reason why, you know. But yeah. if need, need be, I can, I know right now the reason I sit a, a little bit extra in cash because I, I think, I think market is kind of top heavy again. So I'm thinking that I'm probably will start do some moving and I'm trying to, invest on um, some of the stock after the market plot. So Yeah. No, I'm just curious because I think Jason and I, that's probably one of the things that stood out the most to us since we started this podcast is you always heard, or at least I did, that millionaires always paid off their houses. And, <laughs> and we've we found that the majority don't. 
because they mm-hmm. have, they have a low interest. You know, even I mean, look, you have a net worth of close to four million dollars. You owe a hundred thousand and change on the house, and you don't pay mm-hmm. off. And I don't I don't know that I blame you. Right at two point two percent. Right. Correct. Hard to Correct. argue. With, hard to argue mm-hmm. with that. Do you have any other real estate? No, I used to have a cabin, but I sold that as well. So that, that you rented, out. or that you would use for your family. I used for the family, but now I I've sold it. Um, you know, it, it's not a big cabin or anything. It's just something in in the wood. You know, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Out, yeah. It's a little getaway. Mm-hmm. So did did you come over with family or siblings or? Yeah, with my cousin. Okay, nice. And you stayed at the same company. I mean, that's pretty remarkable in itself, right? Over 30 yeah. years. You don't hear about that so much anymore. But you were yeah. able to, they promoted you, you said. They treated you well. Obviously, you grew your income over 100 grand since from when you started to when you retired. Mm-hmm. How, did you, how did you manage your career? A few things. You know, one, you, I do um, looking at the people in the company. Who can I mimic? You know, I learn from. You know, they're not a direct mentor. But I say, oh, this guy know how to speak. I want to take his technique. Or oh, this guy know how to uh, uh, approach things, uh, solve the problem, uh, you know, differently than I thinking. So I pick up some of those value uh, from different people, and then uh, um, uh, use that as part of my um, skill set, you know. And I, you know, love to learn new things. So you know, from uh, a guy that graduated marketing degree, now you know, managing managing engineer. That have engineering degree, <laughs> so uh, yeah, no, it's a it's a good strategy, right? Mm-hmm. Checking out who you want to be and, and trying to mimic some of those actions. So, as you were saving, Dan, and working and, and putting money away and investing in your retirement accounts, did you worry about money through this process? I just I just ask you this because you're retired and now looking back on your career, did you worry too much? Did you, do you wish you would have done more initially? Or do you nope. feel like you had a healthy balance? I I did ask my financial planner that am I am that am I going to be okay? You know, he go, no, you are fine. Don't worry. I go, <laughs> you know, I go why? He go well, you score. You know, they that they, they have score thing for um you know how much money you know, if your score is one hundred and ten. You know, most people are eighty five, and I said you don't have anything to worry about. You know, you take your asset and, and then you're spending and everything and come up with the um, total score. And um, so I, I said, okay, I trust you. How much do you spend a year annual household spending? Um, about sixty k. Oh, you fading. And as as your net worth grew and as mm-hmm. your income grew through your working career and through your life, did your did your lifestyle change? Did you increase your lifestyle, or did it always did, was it always around fifty sixty k? Um, it does change a little bit because I love to travel, you know, so international travel, or um, so I set money aside for that um, to travel, and um, that's about it. You know, we can we see we still spending it's about the same, not change except by inflation. It, you know, you don't really need um, you know, hundred pair of shoes. You don't, you know, you two pair jeans and you know, slack, few slack would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> right. As you as you look back now, having just retired, are there a couple things that you can point to and say, "Hey, that's that's what made me a millionaire." Was it your work ethic? Was it taking on new opportunities? Was it being afraid of failure? Was it anything specific that you can point to? Actually, um, what happened was this. Oh, about fifteen, seven, oh, twenty plus years ago, you know, 
there was a book called Who Moved My Cheese. I am, are you familiar with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I heard of that. Yep. Yep. So, um, you know, it's some, the change is inevitable. You know, you have to handle the, uh, handle the change and cope with it and try with it. You know, um, our, our company go through, I think every other year layoff, you know, because of the higher and layoff, higher layoff. And, but I went through it all those, never get laid off once, you know, so that's kind of, um, thing that, you know, you, you cannot be comfortable with the same old cheese. You're going to have to put yourself into a fix. I'm going to challenge myself, um, to do something that out of my comfort zone. And uh, also, um, you know, also willing to volunteer work, you know, instead of sitting in the back and, or, um, not doing anything and then come up with ideas. Some, some ways you can help improve the um, process. Save money for the company, and then also um, always uh, help support people be, uh, under under you or uh, your coworkers to become a, a better uh, worker. It's the key for me as a management and managers that if you don't support the people, people will not support you. And um, if you don't treat your coworkers as good as you treat yourself, they're not going to treat you right. You know. So um, I gotta. I really, I, I, I honestly, in 40 years that I worked there, 34 years I worked there, I don't think I ever have a bad boss. I never have a bad coworker. I was lucky. I don't know. Maybe, maybe just luck. No, oh, that's pretty awesome, Dan. So you built up this great net worth and, and you just retired recently. Where do you go from here? Is there something you're really looking forward to in retirement now that you've, you've spent, you know, your career? Building and, and grinding and, and developing these relationships, and, and you've walked away from it all. And at this point, I'm still enjoying it, and I'll probably if I get bored, I probably will be looking for something to do. You know, not for the money as much as to, um, <laughs> either volunteer or um, um, do something to keep myself um, um, active. You know, so yeah, but, totally. Do, do your friends or family know of your wealth? Nope, only my kids. Your kids. When when did you start those conversations with your kids? Probably about four years ago. <laughs> and and how did that take place, or how did that come about? Well, um, you know, I lost my wife uh, about five years ago, almost five years ago. So and um, sorry, so sorry I had, and I thought, and then I thought, you know, all of this I can I can put in two will, and then you can um, uh, you can look at it. I think that's not going to be fun for them to try to look at and do all that. I read the community to them, let them know, you know, this is what uh, what dad had. And um, you know, if you, you know, don't don't have to worry about that and anything. Because before my kids thought, you know, we always take vacation, you know, like we go to uh, take our family to, to um, uh, Caribbean and stay in an inclusive place or go to Asia multiple times. You go, David probably spent everything because, uh, you know, and then um, all of all, all my kids that done with school, college, uh, uh, all been paid by us, you know, all the school tuitions and uh, expenses. Yeah. Sorry to hear about your wife. Were your kids shocked to, to learn of your wealth? I, they seemed to reserve. They didn't um, say anything much, you know. <laughs> no, I didn't tell them all of them, but I just tell a majority of them. <laughs> How many kids do you have? Um, uh, three, and I just remarried recently, and I got another, uh, another stepchild of, you know, 19 that probably will, um, you know, finish school hopefully in the next three, uh, four years. Okay. 
Interesting. And and you said you mentioned that you put together a will. Is that something that you put together recently or was it something you had for year over year that you updated? Um, yeah, the last update was um, three years ago. Yeah. Um, and I did, um, they can, they can visit anytime. I used, uh, I familiar with, uh, fit, fit, uh, it's, um, Fidelity Vault that uh, you can upload your information to Fidelity site. Um, and then, um, fit state, I'm sorry, fit state. Oh, okay. And then, uh, and then the kid can go look at it. You know, you can, uh, assign say this kid can look at this, this kid can look at this. You know, and uh, so I I got all my pick and that way uh, they don't have to go through all uh, my paperwork and trying to find this information. The information is there for them. You know. Yeah. Is is tracking your net worth something that you've done over the years, year over year? Actually, actually I did uh, tracking on Quicken since um, you know at the beginning when uh, Quicken come out with the floppy disk. You know, so. But I'm tracking it uh, since then. And then um, just recently, uh, 2007, um, I lost all my data. <laughs> it got corrupted. I can't get it back. And then, uh, but I did, um, now I'm tracking it Mint uh, uh, starting 2012. So yes. I've been using Mint since 2012. And, and do you budget as well? Yes. Yeah. And how long have you put together a budget? Uh, since um, um, since I started using Mint in 2012, you know, budget will um, will change a little bit and then come back and then uh, we modify it. You know, say here you go. I think, but the key is that we cannot go be uh, the um, contribution to um, 401k has to be back. You know, both my wife and I. And then uh, we'll figure it out something later. You know, because at that, at that time, 2012, I started learning about, you know, um, um, uh, stock market a little bit better. So I've been, um, you know, dapping around a little bit with um, stock market since, you know, so we make the money there. If you need, we short, okay, we'll, we'll, we can sell some of this stock and, um, you know, make a little bit of uh, money to pay for it. But, uh, 401k is a net, it's a must to, um, uh, uh, contribute to the net. Yeah. So while we're while we're talking about the stock market, how do you feel about the market now? And because your your net worth has grown so quickly the last what five six years or so, right? Yeah, and, well, and you do have so much in the market in the Nasdaq, right? I've reached almost new highs. Mm-hmm. D- does that make you nervous at all? Do you think about pulling money out? How I um, put out money uh, money to, um, in is um, I had um, you know fixed in, fixed income, which is um, twenty some twenty four percent. A core equity, which is um, um, the large and, and mid cap, you know, individual. I, I invest in individual stock. They the financial planner that I use, they don't buy uh, index. They buy individual stock, you know, which is something that I like. And and, and if I don't like certain stock, I said, no, I don't want this stock in my portfolio. Can you, you know, I want this instead. So we can we can negotiate. Just recently, for example. Um, I say I need gold. They go, well, sure. And so I did put in, um, 80k worth of, um, uh, gold, you know, gold, uh, IAU. Yeah, yeah. Is, um, in, and yeah, it's, um, it grow, um, you know, within less than two months, you know, from 80, now I gained 13, 13 and a half percent, which is not too bad within two months. So, Heck yeah. 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 And, so you and have then, uh, portfolio a little bit. Yeah, I I I still like to um you know look looking at market and I'm trying to learn a little bit more you know and um and then you know my friend and I was communicating yeah I don't think he he will take my the way I like to uh, to have it but he always keep me safe 
they just look at this, you know, and sometimes he's right, and sometimes I think I'm right, but, you know, we kind of uh, work it out. <laughs> and then, uh, <laughs> and we had some small cabin lit cab, you know, so uh, that also uh, was good. But, and then also we have uh, international equity in that which is sitting um, about, I know this is big, <laughs> it's about 13%, uh, no, uh, 19%. Okay, so you feel like yep. you're pretty pretty diversified. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you mentioned the financial advisor, and, and you just started using him a couple years ago. You said, yeah, uh, two and a half years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and did you ever use a financial advisor before that? No, no. And and what made you start using one just to have another set of eyes on it? No, I think that you know, older I get, I'm probably not going to be as you know methodical and good with numbers and things like that, I mean, misplaced and things. And, you know, and so that's the case that said, you know, something happened to me, you know, my kids can go to the planner and said, yeah, you know, you know right. um, rather than have the finance be um, uh, in a disarray. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's a good, it's a good thought. And, and you recently retired, right? So mm-hmm. how did you know when to pull the trigger on that? How did you know when? <laughs> I know we um, talked a little bit before the show. You don't have to share that if, if you're not comfortable. But how, how did you know? I mean, you you were thinking about it, right? I, um, you know, when my wife passed, you know, because I thought oh, it's not going to be good for me um, to work. I think I think for me that should be enough for me to spend. So and then and also the um, the um, opportunity shows, you know. So I thought, okay, I'll I'll take this um, um, early retirement. You know, with a, a year's salary, so yeah, a little bit, a little bit of a severance package, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned traveling. Where's your Where's your favorite vacation been? Is there a place that stands out? I like Southeast Asia, so um, Thailand. I've been multiple times, Malaysia, Singapore, you know. So and then um, just recently, we just came back from Europe, England, France, Italy. So wow, oh, good for you. You can take some longer trips now, right? Now that- yeah. Uh, oh, you had five weeks vacation, right? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you said? You had, no, oh, you, I oh, said five uh, week trip. Last week, yeah, trip, trip. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Awesome. Um, um, and then the Southeast Asia trip was um, almost eight weeks. Oh, wow. That's incredible. Did you stay in one place or bounce around? Bounce around, you know. Okay. Let's see. Okay. Yeah. So I just want to close with some rapid fire questions for you, Dan, and then we'll we'll go into some last words of advice or, or mistakes. So, What's been the most expensive car you've ever purchased? I bought a BMW 535, and okay. I, I used I one, though, for <laughs> 30000 30, 30, That's the most expensive. Okay, and what yep. about the most expensive meal out that you personally paid for? For two, I think I spent probably about 185 Yeah. Okay, and what? Probably travel here, but is is what's worth the money for you? What's worth spending more money on travel? Travel and okay. kid education. Education, okay. And mm-hmm. and what's not worth the money? Buy a brand new car. <laughs> okay. Not worth we talked about age. You became a millionaire, right? Fifty five. Mm-hmm. You mentioned. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we talked about uh, goals, financial advisor. How much do you spend a year? Uh, books. Any any specific books or websites you recommend? Oh yeah, hang on. Now I'm gonna have to move on to my questionnaire here. I like the books. This is what I use for my um, calculation. Y one point seven. I need is um, called money ratio. 
you know, it's um, it, they have about eight simple eight simple steps, but I only use maybe about five out of it, 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 it by Charles Farrell. Farrell. And what it does is um, one of the one of the um, thing is a twenty thirty fifty ratio, meaning you save twenty percent. You should not spend more than thirty percent of your uh, income on uh, a house. And then fifty percent is your normal expenses. So twenty percent always will be your savings. Okay. And then you should have minimum of six X of monthly expenses. That's another one in, in the money ratio. And yeah. and the key another key one that I used it is um you should not spend more than two point five X of your annual income on mortgage. Two point five of your income. Yeah. And then uh you should have this one that um you know I uh, 25x of your annual income saving for retirement. Where are you, and where are you pulling these from again? It's from uh, money money ratio. It, um, eight simple tools for financial security. Okay, neat, neat. I appreciate you mm-hmm. mentioning that. It's, it's, uh, yeah, okay. it's, it's a quick reference, you know. So you you can be in a ballpark, you know, uh, and uh, so the and yeah, just to make sure you're not out of whack, right? Yeah. So yeah. But this one I did not follow. 120 minus your age, it should be your investment ratio. Because <laughs> 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 I got more on equity than save than a, a bond. Okay. Um, for, I mentioned before, Who Moved My Cheese is one of the books that, um, um, it's short enough that keep my attention span. So I like that. Yeah. Um, I, and, um, I'm, I, um, right now I'm reading an old book called, um, Warren Buffett's Three Favorite Books, uh, by Preston Fight. Okay. And then uh, also um, pick up another book just uh, arrived. I know this is old, but I did it I, anyway. Uh, How to Make Money in Stock by uh, Bill O'Neill. Okay. Yeah, yeah, this is uh, more like a charts and stuff. Yeah. Financial financial um, uh, site that I like. I like Financial Samurai, Nerd Wallet, and Min. Okay, yeah, we just had Financial Samurai. We just released his ep- our episode with him. What? Episode one forty something, I think, just a few episodes back. Yeah, yeah. Especially, um, and now for uh, his website is something that I use. I I go in to check. Um, you know, they have uh, how much money do you need for your retirement? I used to go and do the reference. Am I looking okay? Am I, you know? So those are kind of a reference for me to look. Yeah. Yeah. So looking back in, in on this whole journey here, Dan, what does it mean to be happy and fulfilled to you? And and has having this net worth, almost $4 million now, has it brought you more happiness, more confidence, more fulfillment in life, or not so much? Nope. <laughs> no. <laughs> like normal. I don't go out and splurge. I don't go out and, you know, spend something feel frivolous, you know. And uh, for me, I know only thing that will give me is that um, security. I say I don't need to worry if I'll get another job if I don't want to, you know, and um, I'll be able to provide for my kids down the road, you know, so they'll be able to, be able to help them out, you know, in their first home or uh, first car, anything like that. How, how do you decide how much to help them? Um, well, um, for a car, I have set a car amount, you know, for them said um, that will help pay for 8K for a car, and then you pay the rest, and, and then... And in a second, you cannot buy a brand new car. Those are yeah. those are the two rules. AK, yeah. no yeah. new cars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And well, then, uh, you know, for home, that's something. So far, not kid that have a home yet, but my daughter just moved to California. They're looking for a house. I say, I don't know. I want to chill a hundred k just for help with down payment. When I mean, the house over there is like a million plus. Yeah. Yeah. Right in California. Mm-hmm. 
So just in closing here, Dan, what mm-hmm. advice would you give to somebody who is you when you started, right? They're, they're starting out, they're making $40,000 at an entry-level job and just starting their career and they want to get to $4 million where you are. What's your advice? How were you able to do this? Be frugal. Save as much, as much money as you can, you know. At least if you can't save enough for the company match for your full on care, at least minimum. And then any raise that you get, put towards savings. That's one. And then uh, buy secondhand stuff, you know, car and clothes. You know, our kids, uh, when we first started, none of them got new clothes, you know, secondhand clothes. And, you know, but that's you know, part of, when you look at it, you pay um, $50 for a polo. You know, you can go secondhand for 15 so they're totally different. And this is one thing that I use quite a bit. It's called use credit card for points, but you have to pay off every month. The point that you save, you can spend on a vacation. But amount that you spend on a vacation that you use points, you should take the money out of your savings and put it into a separate account. And then, you know, like using what you call that uh, um, acorn or um, um, Robin Hood. And so that money that you, you every every time you go um, um, using point, the point worth value. So the value will go into a um, uh, acorn or you know an um, um, Robin Hood. So you, when you're doing that, you invest that money. You, know, you still go on a vacation out of your own money, but yet you save that money for um, uh, um, um, for investment. So we use that. Um, uh, we do that too. And then um, use budget. Uh, app like mint and tracking your spending and your investment and saving that's probably the fault um, thing that I think would help yeah well what an amazing story Dan I mean came over as a refugee for school mm-hmm. right got a job stayed at the, the company worked your way up over 30 years at the same company worked your income up to 130000 mm-hmm. over $2 million in your retirement accounts net worth of almost four now amazing I mean what a what a great life now you'll have in retirement I mean, mm-hmm. congratulations on your success and thank you. Thank you for coming on and, and sharing your story tonight. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mattinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.